Good morning, everybody. Oh, let's try it again. Good morning. That's more like it. It is good to be with you this morning. And as the video said, uh, this morning, we are people of hope and we have reason to celebrate. I just want to, again, extend a special welcome to those of you that might have snuck in uh, there after the opening songs that we are so glad that you are here. We believe it's no accident that you're here and we just pray that uh, you feel loved and welcomed uh, in this place today. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, today is Rally Sunday at all of Hope's campuses, and I know uh, for many of you that maybe didn't grow up in a traditional church setting, you're like, what is this Rally Sunday thing? What's that all about? And if you did grow up in the church, if you grew up Lutheran, uh, maybe you think, oh, this is like green jello with... You know, with uh, you know, little chunks of uh, pear in it, or really bad Swen and Oli jokes, or something Lutheran like. It's not like that. Uh, this is simply a tradition that the church has done for the last couple hundred years uh, Rally Sunday. This period, uh, this season, as we move into the fall season where we're rallying together, they're regaining this energy uh, and momentum, and, and normally it's because we, we kind of got lazy and we sort of took the summer off, and that is certainly not the case as we talked about a couple weeks ago. You, uh, God did some incredible, incredible things through you this summer, and so we praise God uh, for that. So Rally Sunday is, is much more than just a tradition, it's much more than a ritual, It's a chance to come together and be united because we know that something powerful happens when God's people come together and are unified around a mission that's greater than themselves. It's this idea of rallying I I think of in my head, you know, football seasons uh, kicking off. Are there any football fans out there that have just been waiting? Okay, three of you. Awesome. That have been waiting for football season. I have been. And so I think of the team that's running out of the locker room and they all come together and they're they're all different from different uh, backgrounds and different walks of life and different shapes and sizes and different gifts and skill sets. That's what Rally Sunday is. And they all run together and they come in that huddle. And what do they normally do? They just kind of stand there and look at each other? No, what do they do? They, they, they reach up and they put their hands together like that, right? And they're rallying around this idea of team, that we're all in this together. But the incredible thing for us today is that we're rallying around something that is even far greater than football or far greater than any sports team. We're rallying around this story that is greater, that is bigger than any of us, and the hero of this story, whose name is Jesus Christ. That's what we rally around today, that we have a hope, that we are coming together because we are that light, as the video said, that shines in the darkness, and that we have a reason to live, that there is a hope, that there is a person worth living our lives for, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And today I want to remind us of why exactly that story is so powerful. Exactly a year ago, this weekend on Rally Sunday, we started a series called The Story. Do you remember that? Anybody remember that? And we went through 31 of the most powerful, uh, central stories to the Bible. And many of you discovered the power of God's Word for the very first time. That maybe it's not some just boring, old, irrelevant, dusty book on my shelf, but it actually has a lot to do with my life. And if we discovered anything, we discovered that the Bible is one continuous narrative from beginning to end. It's not just uh, something to do to be a good religious person. It's not just uh, a series of random quotes or scriptures that we like to pull out when we need it. It is a story God, that God is telling. And we base our lives off of that. It's a story that we're called to live up and 
into it. It existed long before you and I got here. And so we're called to live into that. And that's the heart. Now that we've read the story, this new year, this new fall, we're going to be focusing our attention on, okay, how exactly do we live into that? And so our brand new sermon series this fall is called Living the Story. Now that we know what God has done, what do we do? What exactly does that story change? Well, everything. It'll change everything, if we'll let it. In fact, we learned that in God's Word, every story we read actually has two stories. See if you can remember a pop quiz. It has a what story? Upper story, and it has a lower story. And if you're brand new today and you're wondering what this lingo is, it simply means that every story we read in Scripture, we can see from God's perspective and what He's doing, what He's up to throughout history. And the lower story of what our human perspective is here on this earth, what we see. And the amazing thing, the reason that we can live into this story is because 2,000 years ago, this person called Jesus Christ, God's only son, came and lived among us. The upper story invaded the lower story. It collided with your story. And no longer is this uh, boring or irrelevant. Jesus walked in your shoes. And he knows exactly what you're going through today. He knows exactly what is on your mind as you walk through those doors this morning. He could not be more relevant to you today for whatever you're going through. And so Jesus invites us to live into this, to live into this new reality that we can now start to see things the way that God sees him, to live into this new reality. And scripture has a word for this, and it's called the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. If you've got your Bibles, we're actually going to start in the book of Mark today. Mark chapter 1. And Jesus has a lot to say about the kingdom. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three out of the four Gospels, all within the first couple chapters, all start the same way. When they're introducing Jesus, when he's starting his ministry, they all introduce it the same way. With Jesus announcing the kingdom. And so here in Mark chapter 1... And actually, let's actually start in verse 14. So it says, After John, who's John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming what? Proclaiming what? The good news of God. Verse 15, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So what if I asked you this morning, what do you believe the primary message of Jesus was? What was the primary message? What, what did Jesus love to talk about more than anything else? What was his favorite topic besides, besides the Chicago Bears because they're God's team? But besides that, okay? Well, I know. What was, it's kickoff Sunday today. I had to sneak that in there, right? What was Jesus' favorite topic? What did he love to talk about more than anything else? Was it, uh, you know, the, the kingdom? No more examples. We know what it is. It's the kingdom, right? Now, some people might think, oh, you know, it's like forgiveness, or how do I get to heaven when I die, or, or how to be a religious person. No. Jesus wasn't terribly interested in any of that. Instead, throughout the Gospels, he talks about the kingdom, or the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, 106 times. It's like he's trying to get our attention that maybe this is the focus. Day one on the job, most people 
right, would not try to ruffle any feathers, but Jesus does. There's an existing kingdom, and it's the Roman kingdom, and it's dominating most of the earth, and Jesus walks onto the scene, and on day one of his brand new job in this ministry, he says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm the king, and there's a brand new kingdom that you can live into, and it's not one of this world, it's a kingdom of heaven. So why is this so important to Jesus? We, we should probably understand what the kingdom is if it's so important to him and how we can live into it. It'd be important for us to know that the, the Hebrew word for kingdom is Melkut. Everybody say Melkut. Now you know some Hebrew. And its Greek counterpart is Basileia. Everybody say it. Basileia. It's where we get the English word later on, Basilica. It's this place where God's kingdom is manifest, Basileia. So both terms primarily mean not, not an earthly kingdom with, with castles and a, and a king on, on a throne with, with, a, with a palace and, and a big army. They primarily both mean rule or reign. So Jesus is essentially saying here at the very beginning of his ministry, in me, the rule and reign of God is breaking into this world. The upper story just crashed into the lower story. And now there is a brand new reality in which you can live. Maybe you've been living your own story. Now live in mine. Why? Because it's the way things really are. If you could see things the way that God sees them, would you? Would you take him up on that? If you could live into a story that's true, would you? And so my question for you this morning is, what kind of story are you living these days? What kind of reality are you living in? If we're not careful, it is so easy sometimes for us to start living out a false narrative. We start living into stories that just aren't true. For example, they're so subtle, and you may not realize that you're doing it this morning, but it's so subtle because for some of you, the main plot The main point, the main goal of your life is to make as much money as I can. The main plot of your life is I want to get the job that I really, really, really want, my dream job, because then and only then will I be happy. If I can just get ahead, if I can just climb the ladder and get that raise, maybe if I look a certain way, If I changed this or that about me, if only I could have what they have, the person sitting next to me, the person down the street, if only I could have a spouse, if only I could have their life, maybe if I looked a certain way, then I could find a significant other, if only I could figure out what my call is in life, then I would be truly happy. If I can can just survive and, and make it through another week, then I can get to the weekend and then I'll find happiness because I can fill my body with some substance that's going to make me feel better for a while. And the problem is with all of those plots that you're living, the problem is with all those stories, is they're not true. It's not the way that life is. Those stories are going nowhere. But the good news that Jesus came to announce is that now you can live into a different story, one that is true, one that's real, one that is the way things really are, the way things are in the kingdom. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, repent and believe the good news, he's inviting us to live a different story, one that doesn't revolve around you. 
in God's story, in the kingdom, you already have all the significance that you will ever need. So you don't need a certain title or position or power or a certain image that you project into your friends or members of the opposite gender to look a certain way. You already have all the significance you will ever need from your Father in heaven. In the kingdom, in this new story, he's already done all the performing for you. So you can stop trying to earn whatever you're trying to earn in this life. In this story... You don't need any other substance. You don't need any other emotional high to make you okay. God says you are good. In fact, you are very good. Because I made you. Because I created you. So live into that story. What is the kingdom? It's the choice between two paths. One true. One not true. One made up. One real. Which story are you going to live into today? If you think about it, a really practical way to understand this, uh, maybe just raise your hand. Uh, has anybody ever been a parent? Just raise your hand. If you have been a parent, currently a parent, okay. And if you're not, you can totally pick this up and what this is like. Do you remember, maybe it was long ago, maybe it was just recently, do you remember the day that you brought your child home from the hospital for the very first time? Think about that. Do you remember that? Still pretty vivid in your memory all cute and tiny and wrapped up, right? Let me ask you, how fast did you drive on the way home? Compared to what you used to drive. Let me ask you, how much sleep did you get those first couple months? How many quiet evenings over a candlelight dinner did you and your spouse have in the first couple months? I wonder, how clean was your house the first couple years of your new addition? I hear you. That's me too. Everything you're thinking right now, that is my life to a T right now, okay? In other words, when the doctor placed that 7-pound, 12-ounce little bundle of joy named Caleb in my arms, you could say, everything changed, right? Things are never going to be the same. And in that moment, just as you had, in that moment, I had two choices, two paths I could take, two different realities to live into. Number one, I could pretend like nothing had changed and try to completely ignore the fact that I was now responsible for another human life. I could have said, Tiffany, you know what? I just don't think this dad thing is, it's not my thing. I think I'd just rather go back to my college years and live the bachelor life and not really be responsible for anything. So you go ahead and take care of our child and I'll just live into this story. How do you think that would have gone over? Not so good, right? I could ignore it and pretend that that reality did not exist right in front of me. Or, number two, I could accept the fact that life would never be the same again. In other words, repent and believe the good news. I'm a dad. You're a father. You're a mother. In that circumstance, you can't ignore that. It's just reality placed right in front of you. And Jesus says the same thing. The kingdom is here today. September 8th, 2013, the kingdom is here available now. You can pretend that reality doesn't exist. Jesus says, but I'm here. And I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. Either, either the kingdom of God here among us today means everything and it changes everything or it changes nothing, right? We can go down this path or that path, this story or that story. And just like the reality of a brand new baby in your arms, it demands change. It demands transformation. Because I am choosing to live into this brand new story, my life is going to look totally different. I can't continue to live the way that I used to when I was not a father. My habits, the structure of my life, my disciplines, they all need to shift because I'm living a different story than I used to live. But a lot of times we see this whole Christianity thing as a little Velcro pack that I stick on my belt when I need it. No, the kingdom changes everything. It's not added on, and I'm just going to keep on going the path that I did. Biblically, repent means literally to turn around and go a different direction. Repent and believe. Live into a new story, Jesus says. Because I'm choosing to live in this new way, everything changes. Your kid can't be an afterthought, right? Parents, maybe it feels like that sometimes. If, I could just, you know, if you could just entertain yourself for a while. But you can't do that. They can't be an afterthought. You either feed them or you don't. You either change them when they're dirty or you don't. There's no, you know what? I kind of feel like being a new dad on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right? But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm just going to do my own thing. When it comes to living into the reality of the kingdom of God, that's how we see it sometimes. I'm going to do my Christian thing on Sundays. I'm going to tack it on to the side. The kingdom of God is here. Today is the day of your salvation, Jesus says. And that's why this Christian thing can't just be a Sunday thing. It can't just be a religion. Are you willing to let the kingdom invade every area of your life, your friendships, your job, your search for a job, your marriage, your finances, your ugly habits that you don't want anybody to know about, what would it look like to submit them to the rule and the reign of God? The kingdom's here. Or you might be wondering today, John, I'm not exactly sure I want to let go. I mean, I kind of like being my own king, (laughs) right? I kind of like being in control. Does anybody like control? Okay, if your hand's not raised, you're a liar, right? To be human is to want to control. That's what got us in trouble in the first place in the garden, right? God says, don't eat the apple. What did we do? Take charge. I want to eat the apple myself, right? We love to be in control. But if we're going to live into the reality of God's kingdom, guess who's the king? Not you. Guess who calls the shots? Not you. We have a new king. And so some of you are sitting there going, I don't want anybody to rule over me. I'm in control of my life. I'm in control of my destiny. I'm not going to let another king rule over me. And so if we're going to live into the kingdom, we should probably know what this new king is like that calls us to submit our lives to him. So I thought I would throw up a a few examples of what different kings are like. Let's go on the search for the great king. What exactly is this king like? And here's the first example. Anybody know LeBron James? He's a famous basketball star. His nickname is the king, right? Right? 
King LeBron, and there he is with all his, his trophies and, and probably a, a victory cigar later on. He's got all the championships, all the fame and fortune in the world. Recently signed a new shoe deal for $90 million. Anybody want to follow him? Maybe if you want to learn how to be a great basketball player, but not if you want to find eternal life. So maybe that's not the kind of king that we need. So maybe we need to shift our focus. A different kind of king. How about the next one? How about this one? This is the king, right? Some of you are like, that's my kind of king, right? That's what I grew up with, right? Working on those sideburns, right? He's the king, right? He's the king of rock and roll. Is that the kind of king we're looking for? Turn to your neighbor right now and go, hey, baby. Hey, you just made a new friend. There you go. You didn't know you were going to call somebody that today, right? Good, good try at your Elvis impersonation here. But that's not the king that we want either, right? That's not the king. How about this next one? Here's the real king, right? Now, I was looking at this, the Burger King. I was looking at that, and when you're little, it's like, whoa, that's so cool, and I can't eat my hamburger unless I have a crown, right? That was just like the norm. I don't know about you, but does anybody think the Burger King is creepy? Yeah, I wouldn't let my kids around him. There's a little plug for McDonald's instead of Burger King. I don't know. It's just kind of creepy. Well, Ronald McDonald's creepy too. I'm sorry if I'm just ruining that for you, but I don't think that's the kind of king we want either, right? Creepy. It's weird looking, right? So I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. So at the time of Jesus, it's King Caesar, right? He's the king. I don't have a, they didn't have Instagram then with Caesar, so I don't have a picture of him, but is that the kind of king that we want? The Roman Empire spanned over uh, thousands of miles. And he has all the the, the fame and and power and riches, all the authority in the world. King Caesar has all the authority, or in the Greek, this authority is exousia. Everybody say excusia. If you run into somebody in the hallway, you can say excusia, right? I'm just kidding. It means power. Or some of you are going to get that on the way home. It means power or authority. So authority or exousia in Jesus' day was exercised through coercion, through making people do what you want them to do. That's the kind of king the people had. Enter the carpenter from Nazareth. When Jesus speaks about the kingdom, he demonstrates a different kind of exousia a different kind of king, a power and authority that does not come by forcing people to love you and respect you, but by serving them and sacrificing for them. In fact, you're in the book of Mark. Turn to Mark chapter 10, just a few chapters later. Mark chapter 10. We'll see what kind of a king do we have in Jesus? What kind of a kingdom is he setting up here? So Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. If you're there, say, I'm there. Mark 10, verse 42. So Jesus is a little upset with his disciples because they are arguing about who's the greatest. They're arguing about who's going to sit at Jesus' left and right hand when he ascends back into heaven. Jesus, how do I climb the ladder? And Jesus turns to them and says this. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, the kings and the rulers of this age, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now listen to verse 43. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your what? Servant. Verse 44, and whoever wants to be the first, first must be slave of all. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And days later, Jesus, think about this, Jesus who is fully God, with all the power and authority in the world, he doesn't need any more. He has everything that he could ever want. Gets down on a knee, takes a towel and a basin of water, and washes the grime off of the feet of his followers. The God of the universe washing your feet. And a few days after that, he stretches out his arms on an old Roman cross. The, the one who has all the power and all the authority lays down his life so that you might live. And three days later, defeats the power of sin and death and hell and comes back to life, defeating the grave. Who's got the power now? What does authority look like? That's the kind of power that makes us stop and go, okay, this is real. It's really hard to argue with somebody that's washing your feet. It's really hard to argue with somebody that's hanging on a cross for you. To say, I don't really need that. That's not really a big deal. That's my Sunday thing. That's the kind of king worth following. That's the kind of king that I think we can all say, that's worth giving my life to. That's worth surrendering everything to. So first, I just want to ask you a couple questions. First, if you're in a position of leadership, meaning if you have influence in any way as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a coworker, as a boss, if you are in any kind of position or influence, what does your leadership look like these days? Are you like the rulers and authorities of the day that try to coerce people and say, and power up and say, because I have this title, because I have this degree, because I have this position, you should listen to me. Or are you washing people's feet? Which leader are you going to model yourself after? Which kind of king are you willing to follow? And secondly, when I think about this king, it reminds me of the old hymn, The Wondrous Cross, and there's this line in there that says, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. That's what it means to follow this king. This king doesn't want to take from you today. He wants to give to you. And so think about it. If the kingdom is here and now and this king is good and loving and true, what does it look like to enter the kingdom? What does it look like to find that today? How do we start living into this brand new story? Well, the answer is closer than we think. And it has a lot to do with all those little kiddos that just scurried out of here and ran up to the duck room and the frog room. The answer is closer than we think. Turn with me, if you can. Uh, we're still in Mark chapter 10, but actually go back to verse 14. We're going to discover, how do you enter the kingdom? What does it look like? 
Just a few verses before, Mark chapter 10, verse 14. So to set the stage as you're turning there, Jesus is growing popularity, right? He's a pretty popular king by this time, even though he's not an earthly king. And among a huge crowd of people, Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, these stinky, smelly, sweaty, sticky kids start running up to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and they come run and, and they jump up onto his lap and the disciples, the disciples, always, always assuming they know exactly what Jesus wants, right? The disciples come running up to Jesus and they say, no, 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 kids, and they start prying their sticky little fingers off of Jesus' robe and saying, no, 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 this is the son of God. He doesn't have time for kids. And Jesus becomes indignant, it says. That's Bible talk for ticked off. (laughs) Verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, to his disciples, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for what? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus says, not only are these kids not annoying to me whatsoever, they're actually what I'm after with the rest of you. Look at them. This is your example in the faith. Not because of their child-ish nature. We don't want to be child-ish, but because they're child-like faith. Jesus says, look, adults, they don't have all the excuses that you do. They don't take on all this unnecessary stress like you do. These kids, they don't try to act like somebody they're not just to win approval. They're not busy trying to put on an act like they have it all together like you do. In fact, they haven't earned my love, or they haven't performed for me one bit. And yet this is what I want you to be like. The kids that are up there right now in those rooms, we should put them up in front and say the way that they are receiving the love of God with innocence is God's heart for you this morning. Unless you become like one of these kids, you'll never find it. You'll keep making excuses. You want to experience the kingdom, Jesus says. Stop trying to control your life. Stop trying to control everything. And stop trying to earn something that you already have. Repent and believe the good news. I got a beautiful reminder of what this childlike faith looks like a few weeks back. At all places, at all places... The Iowa State Fair, baby. Any Iowa State Fair fans out there? Did you get a chance to go this year? So don't get me wrong. I love the fair. But once you've gone a few years, you kind of narrow it down to like, okay, these are my spots. Does anybody have your spots at the fair, right? I'm not going to spend eight hours there. I'm going to spend three, right? And I know exactly where I'm going, right? I'm going to get a corn dog, even though this year it was like double wrapped in bacon and was a heart attack on a stick. Number two... I'm going to go to the Varied Industries building so I can get my free stuff and my Iowa football poster for the year, right? And number three, I'm going to top it off with a funnel cake. Any funnel cake fans out there? Okay, so that's what I do. Now, 
my wife and I were going to the fair, and we're like, okay, we've kind of done our thing. Maybe it's time to do some people watching. And so we find ourselves over by the, the grandstand, and there's this water fountain. The, the, this water, have you seen this? The water kind of shoots up out of the ground at random times, and there's all these different spigots, and it's this big fountain. It just kind of squirts up off and on. And of course, there's tons of kids running through it, and they're, they're kind of dancing around and giggling like little kids and prancing around. It's this huge fountain, and these kids are just kind of giggling like kids do. But I noticed something. They're not really getting wet. They're just kind of going, woo, and they're just kind of sticking their toe, and oh, this is kind of fun. None of them are actually getting soaked. And I'm just sitting there going, come on, somebody just jump on it. Somebody just jump in there, and that's exactly what happened. And out of nowhere, one of these small kids just starts running, just starts running, and he jumps, and he lands right on top of one of the big, huge spigots, like a hole that big, right? And I know any second this thing is going to go off, right? It's just a little kid with his belly sticking out, you know, and little swimming trunks, and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. And he comes running, he jumps on that fountain, and all of a sudden, and water just starts spraying up his shorts and up his shirt, and I think up his mouth and out of his nose or something like that, just, and he's not, he's not screaming because he's mad, he's squealing with joy. And he's not moving, and all the kids are like, move, and he's like, no, this is too much fun. It's just going up and out of his nose. Unless you become like one of these, you're going to miss all the joy. Come to the living water, Jesus says. But when it comes to the kingdom, folks, some of you are the kids that are dancing around in circles. Even those of you that have been Christians your entire life, I'm, say, I'm telling you this today. We dance around it. And we say, here's the good news of Jesus Christ. Woo! Woo! Keep my distance. I'm not really going to touch it because I don't really want to go all in. But Jesus says, unless you become like one of these, unless you become like the kid that just jumps on it, Unless you become like the little kid that's all in, you'll never find it. You'll never discover it. You'll miss the joy. Because once you've tasted it, you can't help but give it away. You can't help but give it away. In fact, maybe some of you are saying, yes, I I believe and I want Jesus to be my king and I want to live in the kingdom, so what do I do now? What's next for us today? Well, we join him. We just join him in what he's already doing and extending the kingdom on this earth. And six years ago, that's exactly what a group of courageous people set out to do to start this church that was then called City Branch, that we now know as Hope Des Moines. And a group of men and women from Hope in West Des Moines decided, you know what? God's kingdom's not just out there, God's kingdom's here. It's here in the city. It's in your homes. It's in your cubicles. It's on your way to work. It's on these busy, crowded streets. It's downtown. It's in the Drake neighborhood. It's in Beaverdale. It's in Windsor Heights. It's on Ingersoll. It's on Grand and everywhere in between. It's here in the city. It's for people that have given up on church. They just need to see it to believe it. And so back in 2008, when we first started, we were 
at our very first service, we had the people that were gathered there down in the cafeteria write out on cards to complete this sentence. I imagine Hope Des Moines reaching out to the city by fill in the blank. Or my dream for this church is fill in the blank. And people started writing them down and I just want to share a few of those with you from six years ago almost now. Before any outreach had been done, before any group was started, before any church service was held here, I imagine Hope Des Moines being a place where regardless of who you are, you can feel welcome and at home. My dream for this church is that we would offer a variety of ways for people to get connected and grow in their faith. My dream is that we can be a place where faith comes alive again for those who have grown complacent. I imagine Hope Des Moines being a place where the lost and the broken and the hurting can find hope. And finally, I pray that this church will have the courage to do things outside of our comfort zones for the sake of the kingdom. Does God answer prayer or what? (laughs) And you know why I know that the kingdom is here today? Because I see it in all of you. It's as real as real gets. Just look around you today. Just kind of just kind of look around. Even if, look around, it doesn't it's not awkward. Just stare at somebody for a little bit. Just look at them. The kingdom is here through them. And I was looking at this list this past week. I said, "You know what? It's time to start dreaming again. It's time to start doing that again." And so what we're going to do is we kick off this falls, we kick off this rally Sunday. As you leave today, I want every single one of you to head down to the cafeteria. There's going to be treats down there, and there's going to be these small uh, chalkboard, small little chalkboards and chalk, where I want every single one of you to take the time to go down there and start to dream again. And before you leave today, I want you to write down one word or a short phrase that is your dream for this church. As you live out this story, one word or phrase that is your prayer for who God wants us to become in the future, for where you see us going. It's for everybody, every single one of you. And what we're going to do is just we're going to take, take a picture. We're not going to display it anywhere. We're going to save it, and our creative team is going to use it for a project that they're doing later on this fall. So trust us with that. We want every single one of you to do this. It's going to be a beautiful collage of all of us as a, as, as a church united together. And you know what I'm going to write on mine? I'm going to write the words new home. Not for me, us personally, but for us as a church. Because very, very soon in the next couple weeks, we are going to have a finalized location for where our future church is going to be. Yeah, praise God. We're working out the details and you're going to hear much more about that in the coming weeks and you're going to be able to vote on that in the next couple weeks. This fall and this winter, we're going to move. We're going to move forward. And God is doing incredible things, but you know what I'm excited about way more than a church building? I'm excited about God's people. I'm excited about all of us realizing the power, the exousia, the authority that we have that in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, whether you're in Charles C. McGuire Gymnasium or you're down the street or wherever you gather, 
All authority, all exousia in heaven and earth has been given to you. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what I've called you to do. You have the power living inside of you. Jesus Christ inside of you to go and transform people's lives. You have it inside of you. The kingdom is here. And it's not just any power. It's soul power. And I wanted to end today, since it's kickoff Sunday for football, and it's kickoff rally Sunday here at Hope. One of my favorite football movies of all time is called Remember the Titans. And there's a point in that movie where they've been disjointed and, and not united and they don't understand what their mission is and then they finally come together. They finally get it because they have a power that's greater than their fears. They have a strength that's deeper than their weaknesses and they already have the victory. And so as we watch this final clip today, I want you to think about where does the kingdom need to come in my life? What does it look like to have the power? Let's take a look. What kind of power do we have this morning? What kind of power do we have this morning? Soul power. Because the victory is already ours and we just get to join God in what he's already doing in extending this kingdom. Will you receive God's good news this morning like a little child all over again? Would you stand? Would you pray with me as we prepare to worship? God, you call us to come to you this morning as little kids with nothing to lose and nothing to prove. And you're still the one that looks at us as your sons and daughters and says, come to me, run to my arms. Join me, join the kingdom, this new reality this morning. Let's start a brand new year together as a church by surrendering ourselves, by surrendering our lives to him. Saying, Jesus, we run into your arms. Even when there's nothing good in us, even when we're weak, God, you are strong. Invite us to dream again about what your kingdom can look like in this city as we run into your arms. God, we worship you now. Amen.